Okay, so every blessing to you all, and welcome back to my open-air pulpit. Can you hear what I can hear? Peace and quiet. I know for some of you, my walking, talking pulpit was somewhat of an irritant, and for others it was a great blessing. Well, let me say this, if I may, that I have been able to record 10 uh, walking, talking sermons, and I've been able to upload five. So over the next few weeks, Lord willing, I will attempt to upload the remaining five messages. And for me, I get many of my original ideas when I'm walking and praying and now talking and recording. But for today, if I may, I want to return to the open-air pulpit and cover a subject which every so often is discussed concerning whether or not the devil seduced Eve. Did the devil impregnate Eve? Was the devil able to have sexual intercourse with Eve? Go to the book of Genesis, please. Genesis chapter 3. And this is a very controversial uh, subject, which has its roots in Roman Catholicism. And yet, as a Bible believer, I'm more interested in what the Word of God says. So let's start, if we may, in Genesis chapter 3, and let's see what the Word of God has to say about this particular belief that it was possible for the serpent, being Satan, to somehow impregnate Eve. Genesis chapter 3, take a look please at verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than the beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So you are told straight away that the devil has appeared as a serpent. Initially he was a cherub from the book of Ezekiel, but something went wrong. Now he has appeared as a serpent, because Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden. And he says to Eve, not Adam, Yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And you may say to yourself, why would he approach Eve and not Adam? Well, because Eve was the weaker of the two. People say, that's somewhat chauvinistic, James. No, it's not. Listen, if you've ever watched any documentary concerning female police officers or female firefighters or female soldiers you will see within five minutes that such are on more than one occasion in need of backup meaning this that they will be called to an incident it could be police it could be fire it could be the arm, armed forces and let's say you send a female firefighter she's five foot one shall we say as she is dispatched with her unit to a house which is burning down. And within five minutes, she's got to get the steps up, the ladders. She's got to climb them and bring someone, say, my height down, or someone taller than myself. And she knows within five minutes that she can't do it. She's got to get back up. She's got to call upon her male counterpart. Or let's say you are a female police officer and you are called to an emergency and you arrive and there's a guy there say six foot one 
six foot two, and you are five one, five two, five three, perhaps. You know within five minutes that you can't detain a man who is almost twice your height or much taller than you and much heavier than you and you may or may not have a weapon and the chances are you can't deal with it yourself you need to call for backup let's say you are in the armed forces and you've been caught in incidents and again you got to detain someone and you are a woman five foot four five foot five maybe five foot six I'll be generous and yet you are in the presence of somebody who is say 6-2, 6-3. You can't detain him on your own. You need backup. But you see, that's not PC to say that. You have to allow people. You have to allow men and women to have an equal crack at the whip, as they say, or crack of the whip. And I don't have a great problem with that, but I'm simply undermining the point, the fact that when it comes to men and women, they're not the same. Women are weaker. And that's why the Lord didn't choose female apostles. He could have done. Paul could have ordained female, uh, female disciples had he wanted to. There were many female priestesses in Corinth during the first century. But no, the Lord doesn't call women into frontline ministry. So I'm not overly surprised that the serpent, this slippery snake, is targeting... Eve speaking to Eve. Look at verse 2. And the woman said unto the serpents, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. She's able to respond to the serpent. And I wonder this, that when the millennium commences, I wonder if we're going to be able to also speak to the animals like Adam was able to do and have the animals speak back to us like a two-way conversation. I wonder. Also keep in mind that not only is Eve the weaker of the two vessels but also Adam and Eve pre the fall were very much like children. Hence why the serpent has approached Eve specifically because they are childlike. And the conversation is around what they can or can't eat. And she says, well, the Lord has told us that if we eat of this particular tree, we will die. She also uh, doesn't quote the scripture correctly. And the devil is also very good at uh, misquoting the scripture. He would do that with Jesus over in Matthew chapter 4. But keep this in mind, please, that the whole point of this conversation is to put doubts in the mind initially of Eve because she was the weaker of the two verse 5 for God doth know that in the day eat thereof then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods knowing good and evil the latter part of verse 5 to know good and evil it's original sin, in a nutshell. It is original sin, in a nutshell. Never mind what the Catholic Church taught for many years, that somehow adultery was the cause of original sin, and I will explain that further as I go through this piece of scripture. 
He also says they will be like gods. And you think of the Mormons who hope that when they die they will become deity and procreate on their planet for all of time and have many Mormon children. And yet the Muslims believe they can have many women in paradise, many virgins. And once those Muslim men have finished with their virgins, they become virgins again. Somewhat of a macabre belief. And you think to yourself, how about the female Muslims? Those that die in jihad, what do they get? Look at verse 6. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food. And that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat. Adam has been standing alongside his wife throughout this entire incident. Which shows me that not only was Adam very childlike, very naive, somewhat wet behind the ears, somewhat green, and in many ways pictures men today who are very weak, very effeminate. So he has been there throughout this entire incident. And yet some of our brethren would have us believe that somewhere along the way, over the last four or five verses from the first book of the Bible, Satan has been able to sexually seduce Eve. He's been able to somehow have intercourse with her. He's been, he's been able to somehow impregnate Eve with Adam standing right beside her. Seven, and the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now shame has come into the equation. They've been innocent. They've been walking around the garden, naked, enjoying the scenery, having intimate fellowship with Almighty God. And the serpent arrives on the scene, takes a good look at these two individuals, and he thinks to himself, I'm going to go for the woman because she's the weaker of the two. And yet her husband completely fails her. He's with her throughout this entire event, and yet he has no help whatsoever. And that's why it's shameful when you come across female preachers, female prophets, female apostles, female priests, calling the shots, and their husbands are just spineless, weak. Their eyes are both opened. They know they've done wrong, so they sew fig leaves together. And they go off and hide themselves. A picture of trying to do religion. A picture of trying to appease your conscience. A picture of trying to win favor with the Lord. 13. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. The serpent, not a man. The serpent, not an angel of light. The serpent, not a red dragon. The serpent, not a lion. The devil has many titles and many functions, but don't forget we are still in the Garden of Eden. After the fall of Adam and Eve, which technically has happened, they'll be kicked out at the end of this chapter. After the fall, Satan has multiple appearances. He has different aspects to his nature, but here, specifically, he is a serpent. And she says to the Lord, the serpent beguiled me deceived me, didn't seduce her, 
didn't sleep with her, didn't get her pregnant, and I did eat. He deceived me concerning the fruit. He beguiled me concerning the uh, importance of what you told us not to do. He put doubts in my mind, and I did eat. So, as far as that is concerned, she is correct. She has told the Lord exactly what has happened, and yet she was told, you can eat of all the trees in the Garden of Eden, but that particular tree you can't eat of. And that's a good picture of a parent putting a perimeter, a fence, around their child and saying, if you go into the kitchen, if you mess around with the oven or if you play with matches, there's going to be consequences. 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I put enmity between thee and the woman, and between and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So you've got, first of all, I should just say from verse 10 uh, or verse 9, the Lord calls to Adam to present himself to the Lord because Adam is the corporate head. That's a great picture on the one hand of the Lord seeking man. Christ will say how the Son of Man came to seek and to say that which was lost. And he calls Adam from verse 9 and 10, 11. He wants to know what has occurred. And from verse 12, Adam says that the woman that thou gavest me to be with me, or the woman that thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. So initially Adam blames Eve, which is very childlike. And when he approaches Eve, which I just read to you, she blames the serpent. Now the Lord turns to the serpent, 14 and 15, to deal with the main culprits. And the Lord, again from 15, says, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman. So between thee being the serpent and the woman. The woman is Eve, the mother of all living. There's going to be this perpetual enmity, this perpetual conflict, this perpetual war, if you will, between thee and the woman, between you and Eve, and between thy seed and her seed. Now, the serpent is a snake, and therefore the serpent's seed, if you will, uh, at best can cause another serpent or another snake to become impregnated. But to somehow imply to somehow teach that the seed of the serpent could somehow find its way into the womb of Eve, which then results in her becoming pregnant, is impossible. Thy seed and her seed. On top of that, she doesn't have a seed. She's a woman. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The context clearly is way beyond the serpents and Eve. It's concerning Satan and the Saviour. So, when I look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 down to 7, I see deception. I don't see seduction. I see this 
great serpent, this highly intellectual being who picks on two childlike people. They are tested and they fall. And yet the Lord told them, don't eat of that particular tree. So they are in the wrong. When you go through the Old Testament, you read another account. I think it's in uh, Zechariah chapter 3. And it's pictured in the third heaven, and Satan is present, and you've got two Jehovah's present. And one of the Jehovah's says to the other Jehovah, the Lord rebuke you. Which shows me that pre the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan was almost untouchable. Also, when you go to the book of Jude, you've got Lucifer, another term for Satan, arguing with Michael, the archangel, over the body of Moses. And Michael says, the Lord rebuke thee. So two accounts of the devil being uh, portrayed, doing something which he shouldn't be doing. And on both occasions, Zechariah 3 and Jude chapter 1, is passed upstairs, literally. And yet when Christ arrives and he uh, takes on human form, John chapter 1, and Matthew chapter 4, he takes the devil on, head on, and he beats the devil, head on. What I'm trying to say is this, that if you think you can take him on, the devil, and somehow win, you are kidding yourself. He will destroy you. He will put you flat on your back. And I'll say this also, that for those that hold to the doctrine that Satan was able to impregnate Eve, some of those people also hold to the belief that saved people can be demon-possessed, devil-possessed. I don't believe that. And some of those people also believe that once you are saved, you can lose your salvation. I don't believe in that either. I think what you, are, uh, what you get from uh, such people when they read the third chapter of the book of Genesis is asegesis. They are reading to the text something which is not there. What you need to do is uh, exegesis. Simply read the text and take from the text what is there. Don't mess around with the text. Don't read into the text something which isn't there. Because if you do, you will become guilty of heresy. You will become a heretic. Chapter 4, verse 1. And Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived, and bare Cain, and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. Adam knew Eve, his wife, a picture clearly of intercourse, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord, not from the serpent. I can't stress this enough. The thought that the serpent has been able to not only deceive Adam and Eve, which he did, through putting doubts in their mind, questioning the scriptures, getting them to disobey the Lord, and then to somehow also impregnate Eve with Adam, standing right beside her, is absurd. She gives credit to the Lord for becoming pregnant because she knew Adam, her husband. Adam is the father of Cain. Eve, of course, is the mother of Cain. Two, and she again bears brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. You've got two sons born to our first parents. One is a type of 
the Saviour, the other is a type of the serpent. Okay, one will be the Messiah, one will be the anti-Messiah, the Antichrist. You're either in Abel, meaning you are in Christ, or you are in Cain, meaning you are in the devil. Verse 3, And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Cain is a religious person, like Judas was. Cain had a sense of godliness, but another power thereof. And he brings fruit from the ground unto the Lord. Could be uh, an apple, a banana. It could be anything from the food of fruit. And that's not what the Lord wants. He wants blood. Look at verse 4. And Abel, he also brought of the first things of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Abel probably brings a lamb to the Lord, picturing Christ, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world, a one-off act. So you've got two sons born to their parents, Adam and Eve. One brings fruit to the Lord, a picture of uh, cheap grace, perhaps, a picture of uh, something insignificant. And you've got the other brother bringing an animal, a lamb, a livestock to the Lord, which, of course, would be more expensive. Cain uh, becomes very angry. He sees that the Lord is more interested in what Abel has uh, given the Lord. Look at verse 6. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? What's wrong, Cain? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? If you bring something to me, which I want, you'll be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Because Cain was the firstborn. Even up until now, the Lord is saying to Cain, it's not too late to get your house in order. It's not too late to do what I want you to do. There's no picture here of predestination. There's no picture here of Cain being past redemption. But Cain chose this particular path. 8. And Cain talked with Abel his brother. And it came to pass, when they were both in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Let me just quit myself from verse 8. And Cain talked with Abel his brother. A picture of dialogue, a picture of premeditation. And it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him, murdered him, premeditated, quite possibly. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not, am I my brother's keeper? Where is your brother? He doesn't say, where is a serpent's son? He says, where is your brother? And he says somewhat sarcastically, am I my brother's keeper? 10. And he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Come clean, Cain. Confess your sins to me, and I will forgive you. Adam, where art thou? But he doesn't come clean. 
his heart is no good. Why is your brother's blood crying unto me from the ground? 11. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. Whence thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. He kills his brother. He doesn't come clean. He is sarcastic when the Lord wants to know where his brother is, what has occurred, and therefore the Lord is going to punish him. He becomes a fugitive and a vagabond. He goes on to have uh, seed, children, if you will, which die out. But here's the problem. What has now happened as a result of Adam and Eve's sin against the Lord is going to continue down through the ages. And we call that original sin. And the Muslims say, no, man is good. Man doesn't need to be saved. He's okay. Well, they are incorrect because the Word of God told you how there's not a just man on the face of the earth, how we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Only one man was sinless, and of course is Jesus Christ. Jump over to 1 John, please. And 1 John also gets cited by those that believe that somehow the serpent was able to get Eve pregnant. And yes, I know from uh, the sixth chapter of Genesis how the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them for their wives. And as a result, those women fell pregnant, and the Lord had to destroy the earth. But those angels, those fallen spirits, those demons, devils, whatever you want to call them, were able to possess men, and as a result, caused the women to fall pregnant. Whereas back in the third chapter of Genesis, which I've just read to you, only Adam is present. There aren't any other men present to be possessed. And if you want to seriously suggest that somehow the serpent was able to possess Adam, who then was able to uh, have intercourse with his wife, resulting in her giving birth to Cain, being the child of the serpent, that again is asegesis. You're reading the text something which isn't there, and as a result are probably guilty of teaching heresy. Don't do that. Just read the Word of God, take what is clearly found in the Word of God, and if you exegete the Word of God, you will never go astray. But like I say, 1 John chapter 3 is also cited by those that hold to this bizarre belief. 1 John chapter 3, let's start in verse 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. There's that word again, seed. I put enmity between thy seed and her seed. And here this seed is in reference to the new birth, born again. When you are born again, you receive a seed, you receive something which doesn't allow you to sin, and yet your old seed, your old nature, Romans chapter 7, what I don't want to do, I do, and what I want to do, I don't do, and also Philippians chapter 3, I haven't yet attained to the level of perfection, picturing uh, one's old nature. So you've got two things, you've got the old nature and the new nature. But this seed is given to the saved party which won't allow you to sin. 
but again your old nature can certainly allow you to sin. 10. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. Righteousness concerning imputation. You try and stand in the presence of the Lord without imputation, you're going to go to hell. But also from 9 and 10, you're getting a picture of two kingdoms. You're getting a picture of either being in Abel, being in the Messiah, or being in Cain, being in the devil. You're either saved or unsaved. You're either for the Lord or against the Lord. 11. For this is a message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. It's a timeless message. Saved people should love one another. And if you don't love your brother, according to this chapter, you are an unsaved person. Or at best, you had a fellowship with the Lord. Look at 12. Not as Cain, who was that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works are evil and his brother's righteous. And they go to this piece of scripture, those that hold to this belief that uh, Satan got Eve pregnant, to argue that Cain was the child of the devil. Not as Cain, who was that wicked one. And that's the term which they like to highlight. And slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. The wicked one, of course, is Satan, who was responsible for the death of Adam and Eve. And that's what the Lord said, that he was a murderer from the beginning. But on top of that, Cain was an unsaved man. In fact, if you think of that text from the Gospel of John, ye of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. Which also goes on to discuss what I said to you, how he was a murderer from the beginning, and so on and so forth. But Christ is speaking to the Jews. And he says, you of your father the devil. Not literally, okay, they were physical descendants of Abraham, but due to their behavior, due to their hatred of the Lord, due to their blindness, which was mentioned back in the Old Testament, they are the children of the devil. Not literal children of the devil, you understand. They were spiritual children of the devil. Again, the woman doesn't have a seed. The man does. The serpent, the devil, as a serpent, if he has a seed, it's only uh, relevant uh, to being... Uh, able to mate with another serpent, you understand? A serpent seed can't cause a woman to become pregnant. It is impossible. So yes, Cain was of that wicked one in a spiritual sense because he killed his brother in a physical sense, whereas the devil killed Adam and Eve in a spiritual sense. Why? Because his own works are evil and his brother's righteous. So I think this, and I will close, that when you read these verses, you get a picture of deception. The serpent beguiled me, didn't seduce me, didn't get me pregnant. Adam was standing alongside me. Had that been possible, I think my husband would have had something to say about it, and I guess he probably would have done. On top of that, do you really think the Lord would allow the first woman, the mother of all living, to give birth to the devil's son? I mean, right at the beginning of creation, the Lord allows many things to occur, but he won't allow Eve to be defiled. 
right at the beginning of her uh, childbearing years. You see what I'm saying? I don't think the Lord is going to allow or would allow Eve to be seduced in such a way. She fell, Adam fell, and they fell through trickery, through deception. That slippery serpent got in there and caused our first parents to succumb. They were tested by the Lord and they fell. And that wasn't bad enough. When the Lord finds them, he gives them a chance to come clean and they blame each other. The Lord says, okay, fine. From now on, Adam's going to be your husband. And on top of that, he will be over you. He will rule over you. You'll have children many children, and it's going to be tough for you now. And every woman since Eve, when she's given birth to her child, has had to go through a lot of pain, a lot of anguish. That goes back to Eve being deceived by the serpent. No sexual intercourse took place, deception, putting doubt in the mind of Eve, and also in the mind of Adam. And like I say, when they were put to the test, they failed. So I'm going to say that if you want to hold to the belief that Satan was able to somehow impregnate Eve, and as a result, she gave birth to Cain, then I think you are being dishonest with Scripture. I think you are reading the text something which isn't there. And like I say, for those that hold to such a bizarre belief, they also think that Christians can be possessed and lose their salvation, which I also don't have much time for. But I think for today, you've got enough to get your teeth into. And what I may do is return to the open-air pulpit and look at other subjects of interest and try and cover them in a shorter period of time. Uh, and on top of doing videos from the open-air pulpit, praise the Lord, I'm going to continue to do messages from my walking, talking pulpit. So I think I'm going to sign out there and uh, wish you every blessing, every happiness, every peace and joy in our blessed Saviour. And as always, rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. Take him as your Saviour if you haven't. And if you have done, rest in him. Rest on the rock of all ages. So God bless you all and Maranatha.